3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: Inside access with Jason LaConfora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online.
3: 1057 The Fan
5: The NBA is back, baby. All-Star break over. They were back in action last night. The stretch run to the playoffs begins, which is a perfect time to head out to the WGK Law guest hotline. Our friend Moe Hamilton, basketball news senior writer, joins us now. And, Moe, before we start looking ahead a little bit, a, a look back, at just your opinion, what the heck are we going to do with the All-Star game because it's trash?
4: <laughs> well, I guess you're not pulling any punches on this Friday afternoon, huh? <laughs> Um, you know, I think, I think it's funny, Ken, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about it and I see all the backlash and everything from, uh, you know, the lack of competition in the game. What I was thinking is I was like, Hey man, these guys don't even want to compete in the regular season games that count. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So like, how are we going to get mad at them for not taking the all-star game seriously? But to be honest with you, I think the only thing that you can do, um, You know, I don't know about home court advantage in the finals, um, but there there would have to be something at stake for the players to go out there and actually take the game seriously and actually try to compete. And I mean, at the end of the day, now more than ever, a a lot of players, even some of the superstars kind of look at basketball as their job. You know, it's not like these guys are maniacal competitors that get up every day and want to beat you in everything from goldfish to, you know, a foot race uh, going baseline to baseline after practice. You know what I mean? So I think that's the only thing you could do. Um, just find some way to incentivize it and, you know, maybe think about home court advantage in the in the postseason or, or something like that. But uh, it, it might be a lost cause at this case, man, because they've tried a bunch of different things and nothing really seems to be working.
1: Well, the trade deadline passed not that long ago, and I know most of these guys had a chance to play maybe three games with their teams before the break. But now, you know, you're really getting back into a normal schedule, practice, um, play, playoff push. Any any moves really stand out for you where you think a team may have done a thing or two that really shows up in the postseason? Well,
4: I, mean, I think that's definitely a good question. Uh, I mean... I, I, I think that most of the improvements that, that we saw um, at the deadline will end up being somewhat incremental. Uh-huh. You know, I don't want to be like a, a total homer and say that I like what the Knicks did. I think the Knicks definitely improved their debt, But, you know, if, uh, if they don't get healthy, then it's, right. it's probably going to all end up being a moot point. Um, aside from that, you know, my, my opinion is that everyone really seems to just be chasing the Celtics and the Nuggets, you know, and that's the way that I feel about it. And, um, you know, the Clippers, I think are definitely a threat in the Western conference, but right now, when I look across the league, do I see a team in the Eastern conference or one in the Western conference that put themselves in position to, to overthrow either the Nuggets or the Celtics? I don't, I don't really think so, you know, so, uh, I'm looking forward to the second half, quote-unquote half, of the season to see how things play out and how teams gel. But right now, you know, I, I, I'm liking Denver and I'm liking Boston. I don't really think the deadline did much mm-hmm. to
5: change that for me personally. Talking to Mo Hamilton's Inside Access here on the fan. Mo. okay, well, that leads me into uh, my question, which is you, you like Denver, but right now Minnesota's the one seed and Oklahoma City's the two seed. Yeah. So are you not buying either of these teams?
4: Not really. Not really. Um, And, uh, you know, no disrespect to them. I think both of them are great young upstart teams that have put together magnificent first halves of the season. But by and large, you know, I think that young teams don't typically succeed big in the playoffs. You know what I mean? And, like, the Thunder, definitely a good example of a young team that kind of overachieved and made their way to the finals. But if you just look back over the course of history, that's that's definitely more the exception than it is the rule. And then the other thing is, I mean, things are, so, are, are packed so tightly in the Western Conference. You know, as you look at the standings heading into today, yeah, Minnesota and OKC are, are one and two. But if they lose two or three games in a row, like, they can easily find themselves in the fourth seed. You know what I mean, and and aside from that, um, I think a big part of what will determine who ends up advancing where in the Western Conference is is going to be this is going to be the the matchups and how the the seeds end up being stacked against one another. So, yeah, I mean, I think Minnesota and and OKC are certainly teams to watch. I would really be interested in seeing how they end the season. But I'll tell you this right now: if if the if the chalk holds right now in the playoffs begin today, in the first round, the Thunder will draw the Phoenix Suns. And is that a matchup right. that we like for the Thunder? Do we see them beating the Suns in the seven game series? Like I'm I don't know if that's uh if that's a guarantee. So again, Denver and Boston, you know, I think uh I'll give the Clippers an honorable mention and I think I'll give the Cavaliers and the Knicks no Sixers. Sorry Ken, no Sixers. I will <laughs> I'll I'll get give to the them Cavs, <laughs> I'll give the Cavs and the Knicks an honorable mention as well. Milwaukee, you have to mention too. you got to assume they'll get their act together eventually. But Boston and Denver, man, that's, that's what I'm looking at right now. That's the way I see it.
1: Well, if the playoffs started right now, your Nuggets would be playing the Pelicans. And maybe this is just recency bias with me, but I, I watched them a few times before the break, and Zion is – Playing quality basketball, and they've got mm-hmm. a center. Can't pronounce his name, but I know he leads the league in rebounds per minute, and he's made balance? me some Shooters? money. Made me some money on my bets. And Ingram <laughs> can go off any given night, and they seem like they play together or are starting to play together. McCallum's a nice player. Are they are mm-hmm. they sneaky dangerous a little bit, or are we just waiting for the other shoe to drop with Zion?
4: Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'll 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 say that I'll say that. Uh, what is it, is it J Money? What what did we decide on that, Ken? I don't I don't remember. You know, I thought K-Dawg. we I thought
5: I thought you'd called him J Dog. It, it was just K Dog and J You can call him J Money. K Dog and J Dog, I yeah. kinda like that. Yeah.
4: Uh, all right. I'm gonna put a little more thought into that. By next time we'll up. have an answer. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, no rush. that. Um yeah, yeah, no, but I I'll i I'll say, Jason, that uh I don't want to make it sound like the Nuggets are gonna have a cakewalk through the conference. Because at the end of the day, like the Warriors and the Lakers are battling down there at nine and ten, yeah. right? Could potentially be sleeping dragons once you get into the postseason. We really just have to wait and see how the seeds stack up. But any one of those eight teams that get in in the Western Conference are capable of winning a first round or a second uh-huh. round. So I'm not I'm not going to sleep on anybody, and I'm not going to say that New Orleans wouldn't have a chance against Denver. I will say that I like that matchup for Denver just because I think that that series would be a shootout. And I think with home court advantage. Altitude
1: and all that, yeah.
4: Exactly. I think that I would like the Nuggets there if that is how it ended up being. But speaking of Sleeping Dragons, you know, Zion, um, there's a reason why... Everyone knows him, right? There's a reason why he's one of those guys like LeBron, like Steph, like KD that you know on a one-name basis because the guy has all the tools to be a, a an incredibly impactful player. So if he's able to put it together and stay healthy, then, yeah, the Pelicans can certainly be dangerous. And, and I, would never, I would never say no to that. That would actually be a good playoff series if we do end up getting that in the first round.
5: Mug, why is Doc Rivers stink as head coach of the Bucks? So, like Adrian Griffin, they didn't even let him have a half year. They fire him. They were what the second seed in the East when they fired him, and they've gone three and seven since Doc took over.
4: Yeah, I I I think what we now can sort of conclude Ken is that the issues that the Bucks had were were deeper than their head coach, you know. Um the recently deposed Mike Budenholzer, you know, there were uh, some criticisms sent his way, but at the end of the day, you know, he had that team playing defense and he he won a championship with that team. And I think the lesson here is just that fit is really, really, really important. And even if a guy seems to leave some things to be desired, if uh, he has the guys playing in a system in which they can uh, collectively function well, then sometimes that's, that's better than everything else, right? Even if the guy seems to make a couple of uh, mistakes or, or a couple of missteps in the, in the later stages of some games and even cost you a game or two. Um, these, guys, these guys have looked lost. And I think one of their main issues, I think Giannis kind of spoke to it a little bit and maybe even hit the nail on the head a little, is that Damian Lillard doesn't seem totally happy and he doesn't seem, he doesn't really seem like he's fitting in well with that team. And um, I, I think in this day and age, you know, we've kind of gotten to the point where We expect things to just happen immediately and for things to click immediately. And when you're a team like the Milwaukee Bucks that goes through head coaches the way they have and one that's recently coming off of a championship, you add Lillard to that team and you kind of just expect them to channel the the 08 Celtics that won 66 games as soon as they got together. And I, I think it's easy for us to forget sometimes that it does take a little while for teams to gel, and particularly for two ball-dominant superstar players to learn how to function well together, right? So think about LeBron and D. Wade when they first got together in Miami. We might be looking at one of those situations here. So I wouldn't necessarily give up or be too down about it if I'm the Bucks or a Bucks fan. I'm thinking that they have another 20, 26 games to go in the season, see if they can get some chemistry and See how they look heading into the postseason and then also at the end of the day i mean they are sitting in third in the eastern conference right like my goodness it's not like these guys are are down in the uh play-in scenario where they might not make it in like they're sitting in third in the long run i think they'll be okay and still if i'm one of the other contenders in the eastern conference i don't i'm not signing up to see daniel lillard and Giannis in a seven game playoff series so so I'll say that
5: about the book. I, I wish we had time, Mo, because if if Embiid comes back and now they have Buddy Healed and Maxi and but uh, I, I my, I'm broke, I'm broken. Lowry is a
4: good pickup for them too.
5: Yeah, he got Pick elbowed up. in the head yesterday. That was fun. Uh, Mo, we always love having you on, man. I appreciate your time. Thank we, we you. We will talk next week. All right, sounds good, guys. Take care. Let's see you, Mo Hamilton, senior writer, basketball news. Coming up next, though, our guy Ben Hall. He makes me money. He's going to make you money. High rollers with Ben next here on The Fan. Four, five times a day for the latest breaking sports news. 1057 The Fan. Time to try to make you some money. We're doubling up on the money-making opportunities today. And our own Ben Hall, who, who uh, helps us every Friday, He's also helping me make him make money, helping Jason make money. Well, let's try to make the public some money, and uh, let's start in the association. And uh, we were talking with Moe Hamilton last segment about the Bucks and all their problems. Well, Damian Lillard's coming off an MVP performance in the All-Star game, and Ben, you think that buoys him as we move forward?
2: Yeah, I do. I, I really like Dame tonight, over 24 and a half points. Um, you know, when you listen to him talk, he was talking about like just the unhappiness that it seems, and everything in Milwaukee looks awful. Uh, I it's been bad from the jump, and I mm. remember on this show actually a while ago when you guys asked me to give some futures bets, I said I like the Celtics. I really think that like like there's the saying there's only one basketball to go around, and it really has seemed like that if you watch them play. But I do think Dame has a good game tonight in the NBA All Star game, which was an absolute joke. He was chucking the ball up from the logo, he's chucking the ball from all over, but he was watching the ball go through the basket. He won the NBA three point contest, and in basketball, like. A guy seeing the ball go through the basket is massive, and he shot the ball 26 times. He's not going to do that tonight, of course, but he did score 39 points in the All-Star game. I think he has a big game tonight. They need it. Pat Bev is now on their team, and Pat Bev can kind of solely play the defensive role because we know how bad Dame is defensively, so Pat Bev can take that role, and I think Dame kind of gives them what they need tonight against a Minnesota Timberwolves team that is one of the best defensive teams and one of the best NBA teams overall.
1: Uh, The Wizards suck. Uh, The Thunder are really good. Uh, The Thunder, one of the best shooting teams from the floor in the NBA, as well as from behind the arc, and the Wizards don't defend any of that stuff. Chet Holmgren is a thing. Um, I played him over his points, which was, I want to say, I think I got it 15 and a half. And I played him over his rebounds, which was only eight and a half the Wizards gave up 60 rebounds to the Nuggets last night. They were giving up 50 a game after they traded Gafford before the break. They come out after the break and give up
2: 60. Are you with me here? How are you playing this game? Absolutely. That's one of my favorite bets today, Chet Holmgren. Um, I like over 24 and a half points and rebounds. I like over 16 and a half points. It's up 16 and a half now. Okay. And I like over eight and a half rebounds. I, the Wizards, like you said, are one of the biggest jokes in the NBA. They're a dumpster fire, but like. Like you said, like if you look at statistics, before the Daniel Gafford trade, they were awful inside. Yeah. and Now Daniel Gafford's playing great defense with the Mavs now. Then you look now, with him gone, they have Marvin Bagley, who <laughs> kind of gave them a little boost right when they traded for him. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy's great. And now yeah. it's back to what we think he is. Um, he plays absolutely no defense. And behind him, like Rashawn Holmes, who played four minutes last night. I don't even know if he's going to play. Like They don't have anybody behind Bagley no. and, and to start. Like, like when you had Gafford, when Gafford was on the floor, like, he was somewhat... Like, he was a good defensive presence. They didn't have much else, yes. but they had that. Now they don't have that. They have Bagley starting, and Bagley will give you a little bit on the offensive end, but defensively, he's nothing.
1: I also played SGA assists. His point total was so high. And it was his league, you know, it's his average, 32 a game. But I also know if they win this thing by 30, he might not get there. But I like the over seven and a half assists, that plus money, just because they shoot the ball so well. They shoot the ball everywhere. And this Wizards 5 just started playing together, right? Now Jordan Poole's on the bench, right? He's so, terrible. So now Kispert's allegedly a starter for them, right? And, mm. you know, Denny Omdia, there's a lot of variance there night to night. Like, I kind of figured he's going to be able to dish it inside to Holmgren or kick it to somebody else on the wing. Does that intrigue you at all?
2: Yeah, I, I like that. And uh, talking about Jordan Poole real quick, uh, that was probably my biggest miss I've had in a while about anything. I was sure that he was going to be a great NBA player. And huh. especially with the Wizards, but he has been awful, and now he's pissed that he's coming off the bench, which is a whole another thing. But I think SGA, I I, I think I, I agree with your own with the assist, but I think he could like he could go over points and assist. I, SGA right now is trying to make a mark to get the MVP, and he's not going to get it right solely scoring thirty six points. You know what I'm saying? But if he adds a couple triple doubles, a couple big games, like and against a Wizards team who I think any of us three could go out and give out ten assists. You know what I'm like? They play no, absolutely no defense, right. and it's the easiest thing to chuck it in, especially, like I said earlier, with Bagley playing defa- defense and get Chet with a floater or get Chet with a fadeaway or get Chet with a That's three. what I'm thinking. Yeah.
1: Five lobs, and we were three-quarters of the way there.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's get to college basketball, and
5: Kentucky's got a big game tomorrow. They host Alabama, 17th-ranked Kentucky against 13th-ranked Alabama.
2: Kentucky's got to win this game. Um, coming off the loss, which I – was pretty pissed off i had uh i had kentucky live at plus money oh, and rob dillingham yeah. it's an insane shot and i'm watching it with my friend who also took it and we're like here they go here they go and just no box out uh they force a bad shot which was awesome for lsu and then lsu grabs the rebound or pass whatever you want to call it <laughs> and chucks it in at the buzzer to win what looked like their national championship um Kentucky's just all over the place this season. You never know what you're going to get from them. Like, they they got a guy on the bench, uh, Big Z, they call him, finally got okay to play. He comes out, and he looks really good in his first game. And after that, I'm I'm one of the overreactors. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this Kentucky team with a good interior presence is going to be great now. And ever since, he's played, like, some games 11, some games 20 minutes. Like, you never know what you're going to get from him. Um, But Kentucky needs this win. Alabama's another one of the most streaky teams in college basketball. Nate Oates is a... He's a an odd character as a coach. Um, he's he, he doesn't recruit, I would say the best uh, the best guys. Character uh, guys. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, you saw the the elbow to the head against Florida, which in college basketball they do so much dumb officiating but they don't even look at that to call it a flagrant which should have been a flagrant too i don't i don't know if you guys remember maryland in 2016 diamond stone shoving i don't remember who it was somebody on wisconsin's head into the into the floor but it reminded me of that oh Diamondstone. yeah yeah, yeah diamond stone got like a three game suspension um or two game suspension but this guy got three games it's that, that's just what kind of alabama's basketball has been with Nate nato He's kind of like a hard guy but I, i'm just i don't know i'm not a fan um of them this year and i think they're like they got a great point guard, but they're just too inconsistent for me. And you got a couple MLB futures? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Kansas City Royals over 73 and a half. I've been telling everybody, nobody seems to be a fan of it. But I just <laughs> like literally nobody I've talked to has been like, oh, I, I could see that. Like everybody's like, what what are you talking about? Um, Bobby Witt, I'm a huge fan of. Obviously, baseball's not the NBA where I can be like, they have this superstar. Baseball, you got nine guys on the field and one dude's not changing anything. But signing him to an extension, I think, gives that. Fan base and everybody around there like a huge boost. Yeah, and and you look at other guys. I mean, Salvi's had a down year, but Salvi's he still can give you twenty five bombs. Plays he's not a great catcher, but they just went out and got Nola, who will be a good defensive passquatch. Pasquatch. Catcher.
1: Pasquatch will and protect, he's back healthy. He'll protect you
2: know? Witt in the lineup. Absolutely, you got those guys. Um, Melendez had a down year for what yeah. they thought he'd be, but now a whole year out of catching, now solely playing the outfield. Right, maybe that helps. Like you're in a whole different. Off season now, like I like that, and then my favorite like guy that I mean you've seen it here and there like Cole Reagans as a starting pitcher was in Cy Young form. I'm like with Texas the year before they had him start a few games. He was good as a starter. Then last year they solely had him in reliever and guys like some guys like the hour and twenty minute starting thing a lot more than just being a reliever and like. As a reliever, he had like a five six ERA and he goes to Kansas City as a solely a starter and has like a two eight ERA. It's just like it's crazy what he did last year. And obviously you can't like expect two eight full season right. ERA, but I mean him as a one, then you get Waka, um you get Seth Lugo, like two yeah. vets. Like and a seventy three and a half is just I don't know. I, like I said, And the division stinks like it's a bunch of eighty one it. teams. It's literally a bunch of eighty one teams. Like I don't know. I, I like it. Seventy three and a half is just I don't it's mind just too it. low for me. Uh, And you also like Corbin Burns over strikeouts. Uh, This one, I don't, obviously we're from Baltimore Orioles fans, but like this, last year he finished with 200, but the two previous years was like 236 and 255. He's in a new division now, and that might be why the number is so low, but to me, that's better for him. Like, these are guys that haven't seen him. And that, the cutter is arguably the best pitch in baseball among anybody, like, imagine Judge. Judge hasn't seen that pitch much. Judge, he'll be able to get guys like that. The Red Sox, and even when you look at the the AL East, I mean, in terms of strikeout rate, the AL East is like 10 to 20 when I was looking at it and, and a lot of the NL Centrals as well. So in terms of strikeout rate, like th- nothing's really changing into the division. Obviously, you get the Soto now, but even Soto, who's like he's not Luis Arias, Soto was like seventieth in the MLB in strikeouts. So Soto still strikes out himself. So I, I really like Burns. Um, and then when he, when you look at everything with Bradish, real quick, I don't want to jump off, but get get the I would get the surgery. I think Bradish. Yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna look at this in a few months and say what was the hold up? It should have just been the surgery. And obviously, they're saying he's feeling good, but like. If you've played baseball, anytime you hear an elbow injury, you know what it usually ends up with. I don't want to be negative, but elbow injuries are not like. If, it, it would be different if it was the Senga shoulder injury that he's dealing with the Mets, and he'll be out a few weeks. But it's like, okay, it's a shoulder. When it's an elbow injury, right. I, I think you you move quick. That's the word. You go, you, you go sign somebody. Exactly, immediately. That should be, and it, and there's guys. It's not like there's nobody out there. You know, like they and they have the prospects if they don't want to immediately buy somebody go trade for somebody they're not going to do it and they're going to try to force him in and then on top of that you're expecting him to come back and be great like if he is healthy is is you're Bradish be able needle. To, his 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 fastball is not going to be what it was before that like I, I, but but to to that point Burns is going to have to be in an even bigger role with Bradish out and and means doing whatever means is doing <laughs> Burns is and Burns is a dog Burns isn't yeah. the Burns isn't the George Kirby in Seattle where he's complaining that he had to go out for the seventh inning. Burns is going to say, I want the ball for the eighth. I want the ball for the ninth. And we know how Hyde plays the lefty-righty game, but I don't think in games when you have Burns, you didn't go get Burns to tell Mm -hmm. him – in the with two outs in the fifth at 100 pitches hey burns we're pulling you here you got here. him for one we're, year we're, Eat exactly him up. he's gonna he's gonna pitch so i think he's gonna get we're gonna get a ton out of him and he's gonna pitch a lot
5: ben hall great stuff pay attention where they can, where can they find you on twitter uh, BH journalist BH journalist yes ben hall like b h journalist go yeah. check him out he puts his picks up hey coming up next ravens position group the cornerbacks what do we think of them this year what are we expecting next year we'll tell you next year on the fan Marlon Humphrey with a pick, and I remember he had the, the, the deflection interception against the 49ers on Christmas night, mm-hmm. but not a great year for Marlon Humphrey. Hurt more often than not. Struggled on return from injury against the Rams, a game that NFL Network is showing right now. So if you want to remind yourself how bad yeah, Marlon Humphrey was, looked. That was rough. That was not a good look coming back from injury. He played okay at times, but not what the contract, I guess, says what he as the level he's supposed to play. Well, look,
1: you can look at him. You can look at Xavier Howard, who just got released by the Dolphins. You can look at Tradavius White, who a lot of people think is going to get released by the Bills. Yeah, those guys got paid around the same time as him. That those were part of a resetting of the of the market when you started getting on the heels. Of, well, actually, actually, it was before Jalen Ramsey pushing toward you know the twenty million dollar corner, and then it's like, well, how much is Ramsey going to jump them by? And oh, by the way, Jalen Ramsey was essentially in this same boat as a cap casualty a year ago, was he not? That he went to Miami, and part of the reason that Xavier Howard is now gone is, well, they went yeah, and got yeah, Ramsey yeah. a year ago. And he's been hurt a lot, and he hasn't played to the level he did before. I'd be fascinated to know what Marlon Humphrey would get on the open market right now if the Ravens walk from him. And I don't think they're going to walk from him. I do think they should probably play a little hardball with him. Um It. it would make sense there might be some wiggle room i understand there are some guarantees in that deal that kick in next month but look if Tradavius white is let go too and a few more corners are mm-hmm. all of a sudden the market starts getting a little bloated before the official free agency even starts the middle of next month i don't know the ravens might be able to use some of that to their advantage when i'm sure they talk to his agent in indianapolis next week because that's what happens and you kind of say, well, what do you think you would get if you were out there right now? Because here's what we think you might get, and here's what you're supposed to make, but here's what we think you're probably worth here, and here's a path forward for more than one year. Because I'll say this, if they do nothing with Marlon Humphrey and just let it the contract ride, and Marlon Humphrey has a 2024 like his 2023 Marlon
5: Humphrey won't be here in 2025. Yeah, it gets much easier to come It'll just be time to move on. Yeah. You'll Uh, have a natural inflection point. On the flip side, Brandon Stevens had a hell of a year, and it might be time to try to get him signed to an extension. I mean, the the
1: more proactive you are, the better. And this was something that Eric DaCosta made a major talking point when he took over for Ozzie, and it was one of the primary things he said they were going to be better about would be getting these guys who they know are part of their long-term future Earlier, before the price point gets crazy, before it's easy for them to wait you out and get to the market. Um, the biggest test case of this whole thing was the quarterback, yes. and that that circuitous. But as we've said before, all's well that ends well. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, you're phasing out a, a, a Marlon Humphrey. You're paying Brandon Stevens as your top guy, and you'd like to think Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis uh. have proven to be... Capable at least number three corners in the NFL. We we can't say that. No, they never on certain the field. Um, Rakia Sin, I'm not in. I don't. I'm done with that. Yes. And I'd love to bring Ronald Darby back, but is his price point going to change based off him having a very strong season for you last
5: year? Yeah, I thought he was a sneaky uh, important player for them a year ago, especially when they got banged up and he went out there and it didn't seem like there was any drop off. And matter of fact, like. Ronald Darby high end was much better than Marlon yes. Humphrey low end.
1: Yes, and you know again, could you could you bring Darby back? Could you convince Marlon to go inside? And now he's better in the slot, and you're walking from Millette and you're hoping also that an Armored Davis or a Pepe would be ready to be a serviceable number three corner that your, your next best boundary guy could get it done. Um, I think that's that's how you know in a perfect world it sure. would unfold, but. My guess is Darby's probably not back and they don't do a whole lot with Marlon's deal and you hope that he rebounds and you try to get something done with Brandon Stevens and What about Millette? I, I would man, I, I would think it makes a lot of sense. My my fear there though is he could get a Couple bucks more in Tennessee with Denard Wilson. Sure. Or you know what I mean? Like Anthony Weaver might like him. Oh, well, we just cut Xavier Howard. Well, they're not exactly the same guy, but I know a slot corner who'd be a pretty good fit and I can blitz him a little bit and you know, or you know, McDonald. I I you know, so we shall see, but I do think Marlon will be back. And whether there's wiggle room to be uh, negotiated, we'll find out.
5: Coming up next, the Terps, it's been a down year, but they got some big news earlier in the week when they found out Derek Queen had committed to Maryland. What kind of player are they getting in Derek Queen? We're going to ask Paul Biancardi, recruiting director for ESPN, next here on The Fan.
1: Are you Team Bar Soap or Team Body Wash? Oh, that's a good
0: question.
5: I just think the Bar Soap cleanses you better. Yes. To
1: be honest with you. Yes. Lock and Fora, Wineman, Weinman,
0: and Barbalace. I've always liked Body Wash. 1057 The Fan.
5: We're efforting to get Paul Bincardi on, who's the National Director of Basketball Recruiting for ESPN. Get his thoughts on for they... you to say. Yeah, I know, right? National Director of Basketball Make Recruiting for sure ESPN. you get that ESPN. right, G.G. I... This can't
1: be a Mark Schlereth, Schlereth, yeah, yeah. Schlereth. Um... Mark situation Schlereth. mark slara this can't be a boomer assyzen situation yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. mark Slareth, bone out Schlereth. bones out on being able to well, say
5: assyzen properly he's he's out he'll be back on wednesday he's uh allegedly he's boning it up unless in, the pirates get him that's true the pirates in orlando yeah pirates in florida definitely uh well no yeah maybe sarasota there's some water there the pirates could get him there uh it's been a down year for the Terps, but obviously getting a guy that, depending on who you ask, is the number 10 or number 15 recruit yeah. in all of college, high school basketball, that's got to be something that's a positive for Maryland.
1: Look, anytime they do anything that fosters the pipeline from Baltimore to College Park, I'm all about it. Um, anytime you add a big man, a big man of of some uh, caliber in the conference they play in, it's huge. Um And yeah, we haven't had a whole lot to get excited about with the Terps for a minute, so this certainly caught our attention, and we're fired up, and maybe this becomes contagious. Right, maybe he can help turn the tide for Willard and yeah. a few other kids who maybe are on the fence. Decide
5: that Maryland's for them, and maybe him coming and and I'm not saying these guys were leaving, but maybe him coming has these guys wanting to stay for year two. The the freshmen that have struggled this year, and we you know we had that worst case scenario about the cupboard being bare.
1: Um, yeah. Let's let's hope it does.
5: Well, let's go out to the WGK All-Guest Hotline now. We're joining us is the National Director of Basketball Recruiting for ESPN. It's Paul Biancardi and Paul, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. So, what kind of player are the Terps getting in Derek Queen?
0: They're getting a stud inside. I mean, he's an impact player when it comes to the paint, the low block. He knows who he is. Uh, he plays to his strength. And his ability to score one-on-one in the post is as good as I've seen, you know, in years for a low-post player. He's got great touch inside, excellent footwork, very nimble around the basket. And um, the touch, the passing ability out of the post is is at times uncanny. He's one of the best passing bigs I've seen in a while. Needs to get in better shape, uh, must continue to work on his body and conditioning so he could be the defender and and be able to run the court in a college game. But uh, he brings a lot to the table.
1: So how huge do you think this is for Willard, given where where he is in his timeline here, um, how the portal hasn't necessarily been his friend, and frankly, how we didn't get nearly as much out of this freshman class as they were being talked up in the summer?
0: Well, you know, I looked at the freshman class, they're good players. You couldn't, you can't always get immediate return right on your recruits. It's just not going to happen. Just if you know anything about sports, think about freshmen in high school. They don't dominate varsity basketball. Right. Some, some can play. Some can help. There's the chosen few who can make a difference. Uh, Deshaun Harris Smith and uh, Jamie Kaiser. They're excellent players. They work at it. There's a reason why they became ranked over time they have to grow together and and play with other good players. And, you know, nobody wants to hear the word time. Nobody wants to hear the word patience. That's how you build the team. Even if, even in the age of a portal, you still need players that have experience and chemistry together. I'm not worried about those guys. You put them around somebody like a Derek queen. uh, They'll be able to shine a little bit more because he can take some pressure off of those guys.
5: Talking to Paul Biancardi. It's inside access here on the fan. So the one thing, and you you obviously, we love basketball, but you've been watching it forever, and you're smarter than us about this. When we look at this Maryland team, none of them can shoot. It's like putting together a team that doesn't have a shooter seems like an odd way to go about things. And you know, Jason goes to a bunch of CAA games. He sees they guys shoot the ball. He sees guys every night that can shoot, but Maryland doesn't have a guy on the team that can shoot. Well,
0: here's the thing. You can you can go see kids in high school that can really shoot it, and then they get to college and they struggle. I mean, Jamie Kaiser can shoot the ball. I, I know that. I've seen it numerous times with my own eyes, and I've seen it in high intense situations. I think he's in the mid-20s from three. Uh, Noah Batchelor w- was, a, was a good shooter. Like Kaiser, he's in the low 30s. That first-year adjustment, guys, is really tough for these kids mentally, physically, speed of the game. The defense is different than in high school. So you watch these kids play against like-minded talent, which they did. You know, all these guys played in the highest level of high school basketball. And as seniors, they were comfortable, confident, and they shot the ball well. Uh, Now they got to do it again in college. You'll see those percentages go up over time. I know Maryland, I believe, is less than 30% from three this year. So those two two guys uh, will shoot it better in time. They'll get better shots. Because of Derek Queen, he's going to demand a double team, not every night, not right away. When he starts producing, teams will start throwing doubles at him every once in a while, and then he'll pass out because he is exceptional at that. And uh, guys will get open shots in rhythm. Maryland also needs to get a point guard in the portal.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, a veteran point guard. So how critical could it be for Queen's development if he's able to have Juju around for another year?
0: Uh, I think... It's very important. I think that's one of the reasons he's committed to Maryland. He wants to be back home. He wants to make the Terps great again. Um, He's on a team right now at Montverde where all they do is win. They're they're 28-0 this year. He's playing with the elite of the elite against the nation's best uh, in the EYBL Scholastic. He's a McDonald's All-American. So I think him playing with with Julian Reese is going to help him and I think it's going to help Reese because they know each other. They were teammates mm-hmm. at one time. There's a there's a connectivity off the court, right? There's a there's a friendship there. And when you take that and you put it on the court, you know, guys play a little bit harder for each other. They know each other. There's a greater level of trust. A, a lot of good things can happen to this team next year. But I do think they have to get a point guard who can facilitate to the post feed the post hit cutters you know make your team run in transition just a guy who can and really move the basketball and find other people and still be respectable himself from the outside and be a good on ball defender Um, it's hard to find genuine good point guards uh, but the church need to find one
5: Paul Biancardi is the national director of basketball recruiting for ESPN thank you so much for the insight this was great we appreciate your time all right, let's do it again. Thank you, Sounds sir. Sounds good. Hey, hey, let's uh, as we as we leave, Paul Ben, you Ben Hall, our producer, is also a guy that is following what goes on in recruiting in the portal. And you, you, we were talking about this off the air a few days ago. Like, there are already names that the that Maryland's linked to. Correct?
2: Absolutely. Um, it happened last year with Dickinson. Like, I was. I thought it was a joke what I was reading but it happened with Dickinson last year and then it became very serious and NIL I mean Kansas to be completely honest with you guys like uh, no matter who how, how deep you are into the NIL stuff Kansas can buy anybody they want sure. like uh, Bill Self flew in close to D.C. And, and went in with Dickinson and paid him his money basically and, and Dickinson Dickinson was very serious to Maryland but the money the money aspect was never a thing I think Queen was very m- more serious about coming home, so that helped Maryland. But with NIL now, um, I-, I saw the there was a new report about some stuff with you now can't straight up buy guys. It'll still happen. It, it, the guys will still get paid straight up to come to a school. But I think with with Queen coming in, with if as long as Reese stays, I think a, a point guard like Eric Reynolds from St. Joseph's, that's a guy that has last year got some kind of uptick with going into the portal and decided not to, and he's still averaging 16 a game. Um, there's him, Judah Mintz from Syracuse. Syracuse is a dumpster fire, and he might want to come closer to home. There's two guys like that that they're ball dominant. Um, Rodney Rice is already a guy that right now a lot of people have rode off to Maryland, Oregon, and there's some big schools that want him. So that's not like a – Rodney Rice isn't a quiet guy. He was at Virginia Tech, got hurt, entered the portal before this season, played with Mike Jones in, in, in high school – Spent some time with him at Virginia Tech. So I think Rice will be at Maryland, and Rice is a good scorer, but I still think they're going to have to go get another point guard. And I think Eric Reynolds from St. Joseph's is a guy that I'm as confident as I can be Interesting. might come to Maryland. And if not Maryland, it's because he got bought somewhere else. Maryland needs to be better with NIL. (laughs) Well, that's for damn sure. Hey,
5: coming up next, we hit the hot corner, and Cedric Mullins joined us earlier.
3: We'll hear from him next here on The Fan.